Chapter Ten of Against Odds by Lawrence L. Lynch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Ten. Carl Masters. When Brainerd and I compared notes that night, we came to the mutual conclusion that the camps were ordained to mingle their destiny with ours, in some measure. We chanced upon them so often and they seemed since our encounter at the bureau to take it for granted that we were to continue the acquaintance now set in their opinion upon an official basis and that it would be a mutual pleasure after leaving me or rather after i had separated myself from them at the administration building they had wandered down the grand plaza and made their way to the peristyle where after some time they had encountered brainerd and in the course of their amiable converse they had given him some valuable information or so he thought it you see he said to begin at the beginning i had mingled all the morning with crowds here and there and as it was nearing noon i wandered across the plaza and came to that handsome bridge spanning the canal at the northwest corner of the liberal arts as i crossed this bridge i saw a launch slip out from the landing at the further end and in that launch two men one of whom i was sure was greenback bob and the other from your description i'll wager was your friend smug are you sure i demanded morally certain yes well as you may guess i scurried across the little bridge and jumped into the next launch for they were not easy to follow by the land route with always the chance that they might go ashore on the wrong side of the lagoon well i kept them in sight until we had made the round of the basin and they made no offer to land although the launch filled and emptied before we were back at the bridge from which they started as we passed under the bridge my heart was in my mouth for the boat was out of sight for some seconds but when we shot out into the sunlight there they were not far ahead of us and about to run underneath the bridge at the end of the south canal I wondered a little at their going away from the crowd just then but that was their affair so I just shifted my position in order to keep a better watch upon their boat as we came abreast of the bridge and then as the mischief would have it a launch coming from the other way pushed through and under the bridge and struck us such a blow that the women screamed and one of them let her parasol fall into the water then of course there was an exchange of compliments between the two crews and a scramble and delay in securing the parasol and when at last we were out on the other side the boat ahead was so far away from the landing where she had of course made her stop that i could just make out that the two men had left her and she was almost empty to add to my agony two boats had passed us while we floundered after that parasol and exchanged compliments with the other boat and as we lay there waiting i looked wildly about me and saw at last on the bridge almost over my head my two men standing close by the railing and talking with a little dark woman who describe her i broke in well now was she something under five feet yes dark eyes and hair exact a broad black hat with plumes a red veil and a four-in-hand tie upon my word she had em all i knew it but go on i can't not very far at least 
I just kept myself from swearing while I sat and saw those three so sociable up there and I not in it Before I got to the landing I had seen the woman trip away Toward the plaza precisely Everybody seemed to be going that way it was almost time for the infanta to appear when I set foot on shore I made for that bridge I had seen them start slowly on after the woman But when I got upon the bridge I could just see the hat of your friend smug in a jam some distance ahead Near the electricity building and Bob the eel had vanished once more At what time was this? He named the time and then I told him how I had encountered the little brunette lost her and found her again and of her agile leap at the bridge lively girl Dave commented I had told him the story of her agility with some emprosement, but he did not seem to see my drift You're sure it's the same who tried to claim the young woman's bag Quite sure from your description Hm mine and she's the one who met the lady at the gate and left her when the man appeared the same Hm She tries to secure the young lady's bag she meets her as though by appointment and she meets our quarry too she seems to know them all query does she by any chance know well say you who is she what is she who she is i don't know what she is i can tell you said i well she as we have called her is a man i had nothing to add to this and dave was not willing to accept my statement Based as it was upon that leap at the bridge No woman ever made that jump. I knew it it showed practice and that not of the sort that is taken by women This had been my argument and after some discussion and difference of opinions Dave got back to the camps He had met them wandering about the peristyle and gazing across the grand basin at the splendid McMoney's fountain which ought mrs. Camp had declared to sail out leastwise the boat with that white woman setting up there on top and come across to salute that big gold goddess For my part she added I've seen one thing that was as it ought to be They took and set a woman up in the midst of their court and made her bigger and brighter and handsomer than anything else But if they was bent on calling her justice why she opined that their court ought to be called a court of justice The two old people had evidently grown lonely and sated with grandeur and when she had aired her views concerning the golden goddess Mrs. Camp began to talk about our adventure with the counterfeiters That friend of yours was right she said that Sunday school chap didn't come to time and we ain't seen him since not to speak of and Then she related how on coming away from their rooms on Stony Island Avenue that morning they had seen just across the street from them the man smug in earnest conversation with a tall man whose back was turned toward them and who after a few words had turned and walked away southward while smug had entered a cafe close at hand doubtless to breakfast dave had questioned them closely hoping to learn more but beyond the facts as first stated little was added the men had met at a point a few squares from the camp's boarding house Possibly four or five the man in conversation with smug was tall and very straight sort of stiff like and well-dressed They were quite sure also that he was dark and that he wore a beard 
incidentally they gave dave the number of their stony island residence we shan't have much trouble to find the camps dave said in concluding his narration the old lady has taken a great fancy for this liberal arts building and she generally spends her time sitting upon a chair in the centre of columbia avenue and admiring at her leisure she says she'd rather see things in the lump sort of and i believe they take a walk every morning around the plaza the court the peristyle and then up the lake shore from victoria house which she won't enter because she hates old england and all the englishers to the point where fifty-seventh street drops into lake michigan and every afternoon i verily believe they walk arm in arm up and down the length of midway without stopping or entering anywhere in our summing up we found we had accomplished very little legitimate business we had established the fact that greenback bob was at the fair and the presumption was strong amounting almost to a certainty that delbras was also there we had connected the man smug with one if not both for dave was sure that the man's companion on stony island avenue was delbras and now this brunette whom i believe to be a man in woman's attire seemed to be identifying herself or himself with the gang if you can prove that the brunette's a man or boy said dave then i'll say don't look farther for a third party who came with delbras from france and if that should prove the case tell me what designs have this gang upon miss what do you call her i started it was dave who was growing imaginative now and yet i had only thought of the brunette as having seen the bag fall and hoping for a find i said doubtfully then how did you account for her being at the entrance gate two days after queried dave scornfully supposing it to have been an accidental meeting i fancied she might have thought of telling miss jenrys what she knew of her loss hoping for a reward perhaps carl you are growing stupid you have thought too much of the blonde and not enough of the brunette think in the first instance both are alone miss j drops her bag why does this particular well say woman for the present why does this woman see it she must have been some paces behind or you would have seen her or if not you the guard or even the young lady herself that brunette was shadowing miss j i was silent before his arguments i began to think i had been one-sided in my thoughts of the two and now how simple it all seemed the girl you say was watching the gate through a glass and from a protected and safe point of view she rushes to meet the young lady perhaps introduces herself perhaps is known and she leaves her when the good-looking man appears carl what use do you intend to make of that black bag hitherto i replied it has been a side issue now it seems to me that we may serve both its owner and ourselves by restoring the bag and keeping an eye upon all concerned the next day i was early at the fifty-seventh street gate and i waited long but no miss jenrys came through and after loitering near until almost noon i took a light luncheon at the nearest point possible and at noon went back to my post but if miss jenrys entered the grounds that day it was through some other entrance on the next morning she came at an early hour 
her fair face radiant as the june weather and beside her was a small-faced little woman who might have been forty years or sixty except for her snowy hair time seemed to have forgotten her her dress was a near approach to the quaker garb of the followers of penn everything about her was of softest gray but the face framed in the prim quaker bonnet was as fair as an infant's and with a child's soft colouring in the cheeks that had not yet lost the charming curves of young womanhood she looked like a creature whom life had loved so well that time had not been permitted to touch or tarry near her so gentle and sweet and good but there was no weakness in the placid fair face nor in the smooth even step neither swift nor slow with which she moved on beside the fair young woman at her side i had watched for this arrival while i sauntered about now on one side of the bridge now on the other and vibrating between the buildings of nebraska and south dakota on either side of the broad promenade beginning at the bridge the west windows of both these hospitable houses overlooked the little stream proffering a welcome to the visitor at the very outset and when the two ladies crossed the arching bridge on the side nearest the nebraska building i was not surprised to see them halt look for a moment upon the shady bit of greensward with the inviting rustic seats beneath the vine-draped trees close to the water's edge and then enter i was very near them meaning this time to make a prompt and bold approach and as i turned to enter i heard the elder say no june my child thee must let me go my way she halted and laid her hand upon the girl's arm i must take these beauties in slowly else they will not take lodgment in my memory besides this place is too tempting they moved on towards the shaded seats and i took from my pocket a map of the grounds and standing on the lowest step of the portico affected to study it while the talk went on thee can go through this house while i look at the place and the people child and hear the music where is that music oh auntie that horrid eskimo band they've never happened to be in tune before when we came in fortunately fie june i'm sure it's very good now go you know i care little for fine things but if there is anything that you think i shall like to see you may show it to me when you have seen your fill and i mine there go child i am going to knit the quakeress took out her knitting and her niece uttering a soft laugh and giving the shoulder of the other an affectionate pat turned away saying over her shoulder you're a wilful auntie and you shall have your way i'll not be long so look and listen your fill this was the chance for which i had waited and i took advantage of it by closing my map and following her into the building and up the stairs i did not accost her at once but waited until she had looked about the larger room facing the south and west where the case of minerals the great deer and other western treasures and trophies were displayed and had sauntered about the cosy and tasteful parlours looking at the pictures and bits of decorative work and when she had re-entered the big sunny south room again and after a little more loitering among the exhibits went to one of the windows and stood looking down into the street i who had been standing near an opposite window was about to cross the room and accost her when a sudden shout from the street caused me to look out once more 
my window faced the bridge and i saw that a chair boy coming too hastily over the bridge with his freight and perhaps unaccustomed to his wheeled steed had let slip his hold upon the handle at the back of the chair just as he had reached the downward slope of the bridge and chair and occupant a burly man looking quite able to walk went whirling down the slope charging into a couple of young men dressed in killing style and wearing big yellow boutonnieres and overturning itself and all concerned they were gathering themselves up in much disorder and i could not resist a smile at the ludicrous scene but the smile soon left my face when i saw passing the scene of distress with rapid steps and without a glance toward it and coming straight toward the entrance below the little brunette with rapid steps i crossed to the opposite window and taking off my hat bowed before the surprised and now somewhat haughty looking blonde miss jenrys i said interrogatively she bowed assent may i speak with you a moment she did not answer promptly and i put my hand to my pocket and drew out my card the same that i had proffered to the guard a few days before she took it and read the name aloud in a tone of polite inquiry carl masters End of chapter ten